Danzi on a handoff inside. Green slips a tackle. Slips another tackle, and he's into the end zone. Sean Green. Great second effort by Green, and the Hawkeyes are on the board first. Just like that, Iowa drives 50 yards for a touchdown, and Sean Green has his tech second score of the new season. First down from their 40-yard line. Stanzi back to pass. Now he's going up top. He's got a man. Darryl Thompson. Pugliano's inside the five. And out of bounds at the ball. They're going to give him a touchdown. It looked like he might have gone out of bounds, but Johnson Pugliano's for the Hawkeyes makes it 13-0. Green pocket here from the Iowa offensive line. They actually even brought the tail back out of the backfield. Great pump fake there from Ricky Stanzi. Made the safety bite up. Excellent pass right on the numbers of Daryl Johnson Julianos, and now it's just his time to get in the end zone. Tight roping the sideline, just barely squeaks that foot across the uh, the pylon. 59 yards, and that was that was a dance move. Brishnikov would have appreciated. Now they give it to Pocky O'Mara on a change of pace. He's into the open and into the end zone. Pocky O'Mara and Iowa is up 20 to nothing. Well, the change of pace we talked about when the game began, and the Hawkeye offense is working to perfection. Change of pace is right on a run like that, Mike, because Pocky O'Mara got up into the hole, and then he stalled for a second as he ran into one of the blockers, and then was just able to explode upfield, and no defenders were left for him as he went on the, on the way into the end zone. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett. Welcome to the weekly football show from HawkeyesMike.com. Last Saturday's game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network, Mike Crispino, former Hawkeye defensive star Anthony Heron, and Ashley Russell. We very much appreciate it and thank them. FIU with a chance here to make something happen. Marquise Roll set wide to the short side of the field, far side, on second and ten. McCall drops under pressure, steps up, going to be sacked. Adrian Claiborne got him. Adrian Claiborne picking up where he left off last week. Big start here early in the game for 94, Adrian Claiborne, and what opened it up was that they ran a pass rush game. You see the defensive tackle, Max Kroll, go upfield. Now Adrian Claiborne loops around inside. The quarterback almost evades him, but he does a nice job getting his shoulders around and finishing the tackle on the quarterback. McCall sacked behind the line of scrimmage. It was Mitch King, second effort by the senior. And down goes McCall. Yet another pass rush game from the Iowa defensive front. Mitch King does a great job penetrating through that B-gap, the upfield shoulder of the guard. We saw the defensive end balance come around, and King's quick penetration allowed him to get his shoulders turned and finish off the play on the QB for the Iowa defense. Third and long for the Golden Panthers. Paul drops back under pressure, and he'll be sacked. Matt Cole, the right tackle. McCall had just a couple of seconds to sight a receiver. He could not find him. Good coverage. Carlos Pinero has to punt again. And, well, the Hawkeye faithful could not be happier with the way Iowa's playing football right now. FIU down 35-0 has abandoned the run game, basically. Back to pass Matt Younger. He is sacked. Fourth sack of the game by the Iowa defense. Roderick Bins, Mike Daniels in. And that'll turn the ball over on down to the Iowa offense. Last week, they held Maine to two and a half yards of play. This week, 
Three and a half yards of play. It was another beautiful football Saturday at Kinnick Stadium as the Iowa Hawkeyes clicked on all cylinders, dominating another overmatched team in early season action and easily defeating Florida International University 42-zip. The win also marked the debut of Rick Stanzi as starting quarterback. He was nearly flawless in running Iowa's offense. Although the Stanzi-Christensen rotation continued in this contest, a clear winner has finally emerged in Iowa's quarterback competition. Kirk Ferentz has tabbed Stanzi as a starter for the Iowa State game. While their game stats were similar, it was obvious to everyone who watched the game that Stanzi's performance was significantly better than Christensen's, and Iowa's offense just looks more in sync with Stanzi. The Hawks had 25 first downs in a balanced attack with 512 total yards. The running and passing games both excelled. Sean Green racked up another 100-plus yards in rushing in the first half alone, and the offensive line was very effective, allowing no sacks and generally controlling the line of scrimmage. Iowa also scored on its opening drive for the second week in a row, and also made more big offensive plays, something sorely lacking in 2007. The defense was also dominant and aggressive, gaining a shutout, constantly putting pressure on FIU's quarterback, and getting six sacks, holding FIU to 13 first downs and only 218 total yards. And backup D-lineman Carl Klug was named Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. About the only thing lacking in Saturday's game was deeper kickoffs, as Daniel Murray was short most of the day, and he did have numerous opportunities. Third and four. Got a man in motion, Allen Rice with a tight end. Stanzi rolls through the far side. Back the other way, it's a screen. They've got blocking, and they've got a man headed to the end zone for a touchdown. Brendan Myers! Perfectly executed and behind the blocks of Seth Olson and Kyle Colloway. Iowa has another touchdown. So here's Stanzi, third and six, trying to convert inside the 15 throws in the end zone. Broke down. A catch made. Now it's Colin Sandeman in the corner of the end zone. And a flag is thrown. We'll wait for the call before we see if it's a six-pointer. Colin Sandeman made the catch. Holding. Number 18 in the defense. Penalties decline. Touchdown. And so Craig Brown, who held in the end zone, Beaten by Colin Sandeman for a touchdown to Sunmore. Makes it 34 to nothing. Christensen has a man in the end zone. Touchdown, Colin Sandeman. A great fake, great throw, and the Hawkeyes lead it 41-0. Number two on the day for Colin Sandeman. Very nice pass there from Jake Christensen. Good tall in the pocket, delivered the ball on time. Hit the receiver right in the numbers. A quick review of game notes and key stats is brought to you by Prefence, the revolutionary new hand sanitizer that kills bacteria, viruses, and fungi for up to 24 hours with a single application. Go to www.prefence.com. Saturday's game was the first ever meeting between Iowa and Florida International, and the Hawkeyes have now won 34 of their last 41 games in Kinnick Stadium, dating back to the 2002 season. It was also the 32nd consecutive sellout at Kinnick for the Hawks. As we already discussed, sophomore Rick Stanzi started his first game at quarterback. Jake Christensen had started the previous 13 contests behind center, dating back to the 2007 season. Stanzi played only in the first half, Quarterback Marvin McNutt also saw his first career action in the fourth period. And wide receiver Colin Sandeman caught his first two career touchdown passes. 
key stats. Iowa had 25 first downs, 15 by rushing, 10 by passing. Net yards rushing, 241. Very balanced attack. Net yards passing, 271. Total offensive yards, 512. 66 total offensive plays. Third down conversions, getting better, 6 of 11. Red zone scoring chances, very good, 3 of 4 for the Hawks. Great story, compelling and rich. These football programs come to you weekly during the entire season. This week, once again, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and Pat Hardy's opinions, as well as our occasional feature on officiating in the rules. And during the course of the season, we'll also hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your comments each week by calling 866-74-HAWKS. Time to hear from the opposing coaches in this Saturday's game, Iowa versus Iowa State. First up, Coach Kirk Ferentz talks about the game against Florida International and the upcoming game against Iowa State. You know, certainly pleased with the uh, you know uh, Saturday's results. You know, I think we're, we're uh, doing some things well out there, and that's hap- uh, a good thing. Uh, fan support's been tremendous. Very, very appreciative of that. Say that one more time. And then that, that being said, you know we've got a bigger challenge this week than we've had uh, the last two. No question about that. And. Uh, Iowa State's, uh, you know, probably like us, I think both teams have improved from a year ago. Uh, very impressed with everything that we're seeing about them. They're playing hard. Uh, they're well coached, good scheme. More importantly, the players, I think, know what they're, they're being asked to do, and they're doing an excellent job of it. And, uh, uh, you know, they're playing opportunistic football, which is what good football teams do. And uh, they're creating a lot of, of uh, positive situations, be it the turnover uh, situation. Then the other thing that's really factored into their their production has been their special teams. They've played uh, excellent in all phases and uh, have addressed uh, some things that were probably concerns for them. You know, the guys kicking right now are doing a good job, and uh, you know, clearly when you block a couple punts, that, that really helps out, and that's a sign of good coaching and uh, good execution. So, but I think that that's you know, if you look at the return yardage uh, for and against, all those kinds of things are. They're doing a great job on special teams, so you know they're playing well. Ferentz was asked what he's seen from Rick Stanzi, both in games and during practice, that caused him to be named the starter. Well, you know, so far he's played well. It's, it's, uh, you know, and this is pretty much based on what's happened since August. Uh, I'll say it one more time. You know, I think both guys have really done a good job uh, in all the situations that they've been in, and uh, you know, the thing that motivated us to start uh, Rick last week, we didn't have a chance to see him as a starter. It's the first time we got an exposure at that. I think he handled it well, uh, but you know there are a lot of things we don't know about him yet. We really haven't seen him in uh, you know tight circumstances on the game field. We've seen him in those circumstances in practice, and uh, based on that, you know we think he's going to do just fine. But you know there are a lot of things he hasn't experienced yet. And I made reference uh, a week ago or whenever it was. Uh, uh, you know, he hadn't been sacked 40 sometimes yet, and uh, you know Jake took one in the chin on our first ball game. You know, he got rid of the ball, but he took one under the under the uh, face mask and. Uh, you know, those things aren't fun, you know, and Jake's been through a lot of not fun things. And, uh, you know, it wasn't fun for him Saturday. I know uh, having to come out and, and visit with the media afterwards, but he's done a great job in all those circumstances. And uh, you know, that's why we think so highly of him. But you know, I'm sure Rick will do well, but there are a lot of unknowns yet. It's not like, you know, we're ready to, you know, uh, crown him king or anything like that. It's kind of like our football team. I mean, you know, we, we've played hard, but we really haven't done anything yet either. So, you know, maybe he's representative of our team at this given stage. Kirk was asked about the handling of Jake Christensen during this uh, competition and whether he spent any extra time with him. Uh, you know, we talked last week. He and I talked last week and uh, offered 
to him on Sunday to talk this week, and you know he hasn't taken me up on it, so that's fine. And just uh, I want to make sure he's doing okay because it's it's not like just any other position. I mean, you say it is, and I've, I've said that before, but it's it isn't just like any other position because you know it's everybody's business what what a quarterback does or who the quarterback is, and uh, it's been that way around here. I've been here; it's my 19th year. I think it's been that way every every one of the 19 years. You know, we're, we're in a situation where. Uh, uh, without the pro teams in our state, you know, it's, it's a prominent position and technology is a little bit different than it used to be in the 80s. So uh, a lot of people get to voice their opinions in ways they didn't used to do. You know, so, yeah, I, I'm concerned about that a little bit, but I also know I think he can handle it. But, uh, you know, he's human, too. And you've heard me say it before in urban. It's a cliche. You know, quarterbacks get more credit and more uh, uh, criticism than they deserve typically. You know, it's just the nature of the beast. And anybody who plays quarterback knows that. It's kind of like being a head coach. I mean, it's. You know, it's just the way it goes. But all that being said, you know, he's, the guy's a human, and uh, he's got feelings. And, you know, I'll, I'll revert back to the uh, voice of displeasure by several fans last week. I don't think that's typical of our fans. Uh, I read somewhere where it's happened three times. I missed it in 2003. And uh, if, it, if it did happen in 2003, I'd lump that in with 2003-2001. You know, Nathan Chandler and uh, Kyle McCann, just like Jake Christensen, are good guys that work hard, try hard, that care about the team. You know, they've gone through tough times without being negative, without being uh, complainers. And you know, I've got great respect for them. I, I sure hope our fans would. And you know, Both those guys had happy endings to their careers, too. You know, they finished up on real high notes, and it's one of the neat things about sports. You never know how it's going to turn out. So I just I just told them, I know that's not representative of Iowa fans. Iowa fans have been awfully good, you know, awfully good. But I just hate to see any individuals get singled out, unless it's an adult. You know, I mean, boo the coaches, that's fine. We're getting paid. Ference talks about the team's approach to this game and the importance that the players, both in-state and out-of-state, place on it. You know, I think probably the only people that don't would be the uh, first-year freshmen that haven't been involved in this game. Uh, Even the guys that were first-year last year that didn't travel, I I think got a little sense of it. I assume they watched it on TV, so, um, you know, I think they understand. And pretty much, you know, I think if you've been around this thing one time, uh, or even half of a game, I think you get a feel for how intense the rivalry is. And... Uh, it's one thing to look at statistics or hear people talk about it, but once you've been involved in, I think you get a better taste. So, um, you know, the way it is now, I think you know just about everybody on both rosters, no matter where they grew up or where they were born, they feel for it, and you know, it's it's a great thing. You know, I, I'm not quite sure. I wasn't around here when they quit the series. I'm not going to look at anybody that was. I know there's somebody in the room that was probably, uh, but for whatever reason, they they discontinued the uh, series at one juncture and uh, brought it back in the '70s and. Uh, you know, I, I'd be hopeful that they would never discontinue. I think it's a good thing for, for football in general. Certainly it's good for football in our state. Ference talks about the increased level of competition at many positions on this year's team. Yeah, probably in most cases. Uh, it's a matter of two guys that we feel are pretty capable. Um, you know, it's usually more of, the, more of that than anything else. You know, sometimes it means you don't have anybody. And, you know, we may find that to be true down the road, but I, I don't think that's the case. So I think... Yeah, I think our depth is probably a little better this year uh, than it's been maybe in some years. At, at some positions, you know, there's still a couple where we're uh, a little thin, and I hope that doesn't show up any time in the next 13 weeks, but, uh, you know, you never know. Kirk discusses playing true freshman and how this has changed in terms of his philosophy over the past few years. I'm not sure it's, like, there's nothing in black and white right now, but it has changed. Uh, I, I've... Um, Rethought a few things, I guess, and the probably two the poster uh, children for this whole thing would be Eads and uh, Reisner. 
you know, Reisner ended up playing last year, and he was hardly ready, but we had no choice, unfortunately. So we threw him out there and, you know, gave him a life preserver. And, uh, you know, he competed and did a nice job, but he, he was struggling or just, you know, really. But I, th- I thought this spring he really had a good spring. It looked like he belonged on a, on a Big Ten field. And, uh, you know, so that, that kind of opened my eyes. I, th- I think him playing last year expedited the process, and I think he's the same way. Eads didn't play as much probably as Allen did. You know, he played that one game, but uh, I, I just think you know the jump that those guys had in year two, or the advantage they had, as opposed to maybe redshirting, probably helped. I, I guess where I'm thinking right now is probably for most most cases, you know, guys that are more on the perimeter, backs, tight ends, receivers, you know, have a better chance. Although, you know, we've we've uh, blog it's an exception to the rule, and you know, I guess there's been some others, but you know, it's kind of if if a guy can help our football team right now, that, that's kind of the approach that we're taking. We're going to get him involved, knowing that you know. It may be on a limited basis, but for the next three years, I think it will benefit them. Finally, Ference talks about what jumps out in terms of ISU and how they might be different than last year. I think it's everything, um, which you'd expect. I mean, I know they've worked hard up there. It's, it's very evident when you look at the tape. Uh, everybody looks better physically. They look uh, – everybody's in sync. You know, they're, they're on the same page as uh, I think what the plan is intended to be. And, you know, they're playing with great effort and uh, – you know, execution, and, and they've had, we've seen that before. I mean, you know, Dan and his staff did a great job up there, too, as we all know. So, uh, you know, but I think everybody realizes in any sport, uh, I think most sports, at least team sports, you know, the first year is always a little bit of a, uh, it's a transition. You know, it didn't seem to hurt them too bad in our game last year, but clearly, uh, you know, they were 0-2 coming into that game, and, and uh, you know, they nailed us pretty good, and uh, you know, this year the difference is they're 2-0 and looking good. You know, last year that was a, a grab bag, those first two games for them. Didn't, didn't affect them in the third, but, you know, this year it's not the case. I mean, they, they look like they're ready to roll. Next up, Iowa State coach Gene Chizik, entering his second year, talks about the matchup with the Hawks this Saturday and what he's seen from the Hawkeyes in the last two weeks. Well, I think they're a great football team, and, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, people sell them short they are a uh, extremely good football team they're a uh, they will definitely be a, uh, another uh, big 10 uh, top contender this year um, coach Ferentz has done a great job with them in the first two games they're playing a lot of young people and um, you know they're they're as you would expect they're very physical uh, they run the ball well uh, they they throw the ball well they're not turning it over so, um, you know, they're doing all the things they need to win, uh, need to do to win. Uh, defensively, obviously, they're playing great. Um, you know, they've only given up, very, well, they've given up very few points in the first two games. So, um, you know, I just think that uh, it's your typical Iowa football team. It's very well coached and very hard-nosed, so they're, uh, they're a great football team. Chizik discusses his own quarterback tandem. Quarterback situation, uh, you know, it's really kind of unfolded about the way we thought it would. I mean, it's... We don't want to put so much pressure on one young guy that he feels like he has to come in there and be Superman. So we, we and that's how we've spun it to our guys. We've said, you know, look, we, we've got two of you. And there'll be times when, when one of them's not doing as well as the other and vice versa. And we want the other one to be able to come in and pick up the slack. And I think both of them have done that. And I think it happened Saturday night. And again, we'll, uh, we'll have a plan every week and we'll just see how that plan unfolds. Chizik talks about the fact that Iowa State leads the nation in takeaways through the first two weeks and how that happens. Takeaways are really kind of an enigma to me uh, over the years. You know, they, they come in bunches. Uh, sometimes you get a bunch and then you can go two or three weeks and never have any. We just happen to, you know, uh, get 
you know, 11 in two weeks, which is, um, you know, obviously if we stayed on track with that, you know, it would be a, a, be a significant improvement from last year, and it'd be very hard to do. But, uh, you know, I think they come in bunches, and I think it's a product of, you know, a couple of things. I think it's a product of uh, being opportunistic at the right times, um, you know, and I think that it comes from, uh, you know, uh, taking advantage of, you know, quarterbacks or running backs or even punt returners, uh, you know, swinging the ball out there and, and you know, us trying to uh, visually, you know, uh, emphasize that all week of getting the ball out. And then, you know, uh, you know, we, we did that Saturday. You know, we, we actually stripped the quarterback there at the end. We felt like he was swinging the ball. And we were talking about going and, and trying to punch and strip the ball out, which, you know, on the, one of the last turnovers, that's what happened. So, um, I think it's, you know, there's effort involved. You know, you got to have guys chasing the ball, and that's what happened on that last one. But, uh, again, I think it's a mixture of all of that. I, I think it's a, uh, it's a concerted effort and practice to be able to emphasize, you know, that and, how, and the importance of it and identify people who possibly are vulnerable, uh, you know, to getting the ball out. And, uh, and then guys having enough effort and enough hustle and being smart enough to do it at the right time. Finally, Chizik talks about the importance of the Cy-Hawk rivalry. I think it's huge. I think it's the best thing going uh, in the state. Uh, I think it's important to a lot of people. There's so much passion for sports here, and uh, there's, there's, so many, there's so many passionate people for Iowa and so many passionate people for Iowa State. So um, when you don't have uh, the, you know, the, the NFL and you don't have the NBA and things of that nature, you know, this becomes... Uh, you know, the substitute for the, you know, professional sports. Uh, this state will be in a frenzy. And uh, that's what makes college football great. But it's very important to this state. It's bragging rights for, as any rivalry is, for, you know, 365 days. And uh, that's what makes it really fun. I, it's, it ought to be fun for the players. It ought to be fun for the fans and the coaches. Um, but, uh, you know, this state needs this. this. This state's been through a lot in the last 365 days. And, for at least a week maybe and certainly on Saturday we can kind of you know take the minds uh, off the people on you know some some troubles and woes that, that people have throughout the state so I, I really think it's important it's fun uh, and uh, I think it'll be a great thing for the people HawkeyesMike.com, something new. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly stint on HawkeyesMike.com. Marv, your overall impressions of the game last Saturday? I was actually very impressed, um, You know, after, especially after watching uh, them play University of Kansas to a 40-10 matchup to see Iowa come out and actually basically take it to them the first Five or six possessions execute extremely well, and uh, to jump up 35 nothing was, uh, uh, to, in my opinion, very impressive. We're through two games now, clearly against overmatched competition, but does it appear to you that Iowa's playing at a higher level, maybe a little bit better than they were last year? You know, they're getting to that point where they need to be, start being tested. You don't want to develop a false sense of security that we are great or we're getting better. I think they are getting better. Uh, but it, this this week going to be a good test for them. To, you know, Iowa State obviously going to be an emotional test. You know, they'll be, uh, you know, very motivated, playing hard and physical. So that'll be a good test from that standpoint. 
from a talent standpoint, I'm still not con convinced that they're a top 50 team, but the point is, is this will be a great next step for this team right now. Let's get right to the quarterback competition. It appears to be over for the time being. Ference's name stands the starter. And it did seem last Saturday that he clearly had a more solid performance against FIU than Jake did, even though their stats were similar. The, yeah, the flow of the game obviously went in, uh, in Stanzi's direction. Uh, you know, just the way he made the throws when he had to make the throws. At times, he used a little more touch. You know, in the crossing, the deep crossers, and things like that. So, you know, it's obviously a frustrating situation for Jake Christensen. But uh, you know, I mean, that's the, the benefit Iowa has right now is they have two guys they feel like they can go into battle with at the quarterback position. And you know, if if Stanzi's going to struggle a little bit, they can always come back and try to recharge things with Jake. So, I mean, I think they're in a good situation right now. I think Stanzi is the right choice at this point. But uh, you know, there's a lot of season ahead of us. Receivers had to be happy to be hit right in full stride on those passes. It seems like Stanzi may have a little bit better pocket presence than Jake. Oh, I, I think one, visually he sees it a little bit better. I, mean, I think he, he understands the progressions and where the ball needs to go and when it needs to get there. Uh, and I think if you, a lot of times it's if you watch a Brett Favre play, he just knows on those deep crossers, he's just gotta be patient, hold the safety, and then come over with the throw versus of you know staring at it, staring at it, waiting for it, waiting for it, and then trying to drill it in there. So I, I think he, he does have a good presence of how to run the offense, when to get the ball into a spot. You know, a lot of times what you're doing as a quarterback is you're throwing the ball to a spot. You're not throwing to the receiver. You know, the receiver's gonna get to that spot, so you need to throw the ball there uh, to the next window and things like that. So I think, uh, you know, Stanzi has a good feel for that right now. Two series into Iowa State, that could all change. You know, I mean, it's, you know, you face a little tougher competition, a little more pressure in the pocket, you know, we'll see how it all evolves from there. As a coach, Marv, once this decision is made, how do you go about telling a kid who's been the starter for a year that he's now the backup? But what can that do to his psyche? How do you expect Christensen will handle this? That's why Kirk Ferentz is the head coach. And, you know, he's got to, him and Kent, Coach O'Keefe and the quarterback coach are going to have to make those decisions and have those conversations. But as fans, we go there to watch the Hawks win. And as coaches, you go there to coach the Hawks to win. As players, you go there to play to win. And, and uh, the coach has got to make the decision that they feel is going to help them win the game. And, and uh, you know, it is a team game. And a lot of times in, in football, it's a quirky thing. You're not always looking for the, you know, the 11 best football players. You're looking for the best 11. You know, that sounds kind of quirky, but, you know, you're looking for the best cohesive unit that when you put them out there offensively, defensively, or special teams, that's your best 11. They work well together. And, and through the first, you know, week and a half, two weeks of games here, you know, it's looked like Rick Stanzi's part of that mix right now. As a former player and, and now a high school coach, what kind of impact can this kind of a decision have on the rest of the team? Or do you think there's likely pro-Jake or pro-Rick factions on the offense? What do you think uh, this will play out like? Well, I think it's great because I think it shows everybody that every position's open. You know, I mean, Jake Christian's coming back with a lot of experience, but yet here's a guy that's going to get the chance to play in front of him. And, and you know, the kicker position is kind of similar in that regards with uh, uh, the two kickers we got. And I, I think the more you have of that competition, the better off it is. Running back position is kind of the same way. we got three guys right now that are pretty good running backs, and, and that's whole, wholeheartedly probably just going to make them all better. It does seem like this Iowa coaching staff is breaking from its uh, past tendencies, and is a lot more willing uh, to play younger players, newer players, uh, less deference to the older players, even starters. A lot more open competition. 
Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's, you know, I think, you know, obviously they put, brought six or seven freshmen off of red shirts this year and are going to play them. So they've got to make the decision, like I said, at the end of the day, this is about winning football games. And they got to try to put the best players on the field. They're going to help them win. And it, it is difficult at times if you've got someone that's got a lot of experience, but yet you think someone maybe has the potential to be better. When do you make that choice? You know, when do you decide to go with the younger player who has less experience that may not be as good right now, but with three or four games experience, maybe a better football player. Those are tough decisions that the coach has got to make and um, wholeheartedly the first two games are a good chance to experiment because the games were really never in doubt. But, uh, you know, as we start getting into the meat of the schedule, we're going to find out who the real football players are here in the next uh, three to five weeks. Do you think this is at least partially due to the heat Ferentz has been taking over the last couple of years over his record, coupled with his salary? You know, I'm, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think, uh, they're trying to win. I mean, they're trying to find football players that will help them win the games, and I guarantee that's what they've been doing for the last 10 years. And, you know, part of that's recruiting, but part of that's developing players, and you, you've got to find the right mix. And I think the offensive line's starting to settle in a little bit, and, and this team is always built around the offensive line. If we can run the ball at Iowa, we have a chance to be a successful football team. If we can't run the ball, we're in trouble. Uh, and that's just kind of the way it's been the last 10 years. And so I think the offensive line starting to solidify themselves a little bit. And if we can run and set up the play action, then we got a good chance to be very, very good. Taking a look at the rest of the offense in that FIU game, um, the offense was very balanced, running and passing. Uh, running backs, receivers, offensive line. Very workmanlike performance. I mean, it said to go up 35-0 against the team that took Kansas to 40-10 the week prior uh, and have them up 35-0 halftime was, uh, was pretty good. So uh, excited about that. Don't know how good Florida International is, so consequently we probably don't know how good Iowa is, but I mean the schedule is pretty conducive to, you know, let's take incremental steps with this team and keep developing. This will obviously be a bigger test than last week and the week before, and then the following week with Pitt will be even a bigger test. So, I mean, this is actually about as good a first four games as you could have on the schedule, first five games actually. So, uh, you know, there's a good chance that if these guys keep taking care of business, keep getting better each and every day, they have a chance to be a pretty good football team. Assess what you saw from the defense. It appears, at least through these first two games, that Norm Parker's being a little bit more aggressive, blitzing some more, and also substituting way more than he has in the past. Yeah, and matching up with uh, personnel and, and, and changing up the corners and, and playing the corners a little bit more aggressively, uh, which is good to see quarters, corners up on receivers, taking away some of the easy stuff, uh, challenging the quarterbacks to make throws at times. You know, and it, I guess that's that's a decision you have to make is if you have superior talent, a lot of times you want to put more stress on them and, and try to make them crack. And I think they've done a good job of that so far. Any concerns about the depth on kickoffs? Murray's been a little inconsistent during these first two games. He's struggled last week to get the ball much deeper than the eight or 10 yard lines. Well, you know, the week before he did great. I mean, the week before he was pounding them all in the end zone, it seemed like. And then this week it was a little, you know, he's a little bit, you know, and I, I, that could be something where they maybe they were working on higher kicks trying to get him inside the 20. I don't know what the thought process was. You know, at times at our level, we will use a bloop kick just to try to pin him inside the 20 with a high kick. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they were trying to kick him out. But it seemed like the first week he did a better job of that than this last week. Albeit against a lot weaker competition, another good week for the Big Ten as a whole. In fact, it's the first time in history the conference has gone 11-0 on a Saturday. Well, Ohio State didn't look so good I mean, against Ohio. And, you know, Michigan had a squeaker versus Miami, Ohio. So, I mean, a lot of those were you know, Big Ten Mac matchups, which we probably should win, but that is impressive. I mean, 11 wins, that's good. That's interesting. Okay, let's shift our focus now. It's obviously the big in-state rivalry week. 
uh, Ferentz really doesn't have a very good record in these games, and there's been lingering criticism from some fans that he doesn't focus on it enough. As a player for the Hawks, how did you, how did Coach Fry generally approach this game? I, I think, you know, football is, is an emotional roller coaster. I mean, it really is. I mean, the course of a season with 11, 12, 13 games is, you know, you have highs and lows, and, and through the course of a game, you have the same mentality where something will go great and you're excited, and something will go bad and you fumble or something. You, go, you do have to kind of keep a level keel. In football, you're kind of creatures of your habit. You know, you almost hear a horn at practice and you know instinctively where to go to the next drill. And I think the mentality is you just keep taking care of one rep at a time, one snap at a time, and get better, 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 better. And I think he has that mindset and the players have that mindset. The one thing is, is, is come Saturday, you have to be able to ratchet it up. You have to be able to turn the switch on that will match the intensity that you are facing on the field. And you have to be able to do it, whether you're a workman-like team, but you have to meet and match the intensity of the team you're playing. And I think Iowa State has had a good job of, of getting extremely pumped up for this game, maybe playing a little bit over their heads at times. Good teams will be able to go up and match that intensity, match that, that, that speed of the play, those types of things, make the adjustments that need to be made. And uh, you know, I think if, if we've lacked anything, it's probably been that, the ability to, to play excited, to play fast, and to, and to understand the importance of what Iowa State's thinking when they're coming to play an Iowa Hawkeye football team. And if, and if we can do that, if we can you know, do our business, take care of our business, understand that things are going to happen on, on Saturday, not all of them are going to be great, but just you have to, you know, if sudden change happens, a turnover, you've got to come out as a defense and slam the door. You know, you've got to be able to come out and not let that emotion or that, that momentum swing turn and get things steamrolling against you. Uh, and the teams that are able to do that are going to be the teams that are most successful. Do you think there's a difference in the level of intensity for the Iowa kids on the roster versus the out-of-state players? From my standpoint, I just know now is it's, it's such a huge thing for recruiting. You know, you want to be the team that's, you know, you want it to be a Hawkeye State. You know, you, and if you're going to recruit Iowa kids, obviously they're going to be excited about Iowa State if, if Iowa State's winning and having success in the Big 12 versus if Iowa's not having success in the Big 10 and Iowa's not winning this game. They want to go and win. And so I think from a recruiting standpoint, it's a big game. Uh, just to be able to go in the state and say, hey, we're, you know, we were the best team last year. You know, whether you're Iowa, Iowa State, in my opinion, like I said, you've got 12 games, that's it. Everyone should be very, very important. And whether it's Iowa State, Iowa, Illinois, Northwestern, it should have the same importance, in my opinion. And it should be, there should be nothing higher in your desires than to win each and every game. Iowa State also comes in with a 2-0 record. How good are the Cyclones? What do you expect to see against Iowa State? What are your keys to the game? Well, I think, you know, they're, they're running the version of the spread offense and they're going to test you with athletes. I mean, I think they got some athletes in the skilled positions. I think defensively, they're not as big as we're going to see in the Big Ten, but they're going to be athletic. I think Coach Chizik is, is basically trying to recruit a bunch of athletes, guys that can run, get to the football. Uh, that's been his motto at, at Texas and in other places. So I think you're going to see a fast team that gets to the ball, uh, that does things offensively that will stress you a little bit as far as, you know, reverses and and that zone and the zone read and things like that so it's going to be a, a tough test for the Hawks and it's you know historically Coach Parker's always been good against spread teams we had success against Illinois uh, last year so I mean it's going to be it'll be an interesting matchup and, and wholeheartedly I think the team that's best prepared is going to be the team that wins this thing. Any other thoughts? 
No, this is you know fun week. Obviously, uh, uh, you know both teams are two and zero. Both teams want to prove something, and I think the team that comes out with a victory is able to say, hey, you know we are a good football team. Where the team that comes out with a loss, that you know it's going to say, well they haven't played anybody yet. They must not be that good. So I think Saturday evening, some teams going to be able to say, hey, we might we might be a pretty good football team. FIU had managed only 139 yards of offense against Kansas last week. Having some trouble moving here. They had a golden opportunity inside Iowa territory. Third and 13. McCall steps up, throws. Intercepted. A.J. Eads. Far sideline. Still on his feet. Eads inside the 40. And finally taken down at the 30-yard line. T.Y. Hilton saved a touchdown. Playmaker for Iowa's defense, A.J. Eads once again coming up with the tie-turning play for the Hawkeyes. FIU with an opportunity on third long to get themselves back in striking distance. Great pressure on the quarterback. Look at the hands from this outside linebacker from Iowa. Marquise Roll is spread to the near side of the field. Three wide receivers right for Paul McCall. Drops the pass under pressure. Throws intercepted. And Iowa will have the ball back. Pat Anger, the second interception by a linebacker of the Hawkeyes today. And the Hawkeyes will have it near midfield. Again, more heat coming on the quarterback from the Iowa defense. No game necessary here. Mitch King just makes a great spin move on the offensive guard and sets up Pat Angerer perfectly because Paul McCall cannot step into this throw. Excellent hands from the Iowa linebacker. Advances the ball upfield. Fourth and... Eight, they'll go for it inside the 30-yard line. Wayne Younger in the shotgun. Takes the snap, three wide receivers left. He's looking left. Now he dodges inside. Still on his feet, and now he's taken down. A sack by Carl Krug, the sophomore. And the Iowa defense stiffens and stops FIU just outside the 30-yard line. These new defenders on the field for the Hawkeyes, they are continuing to play hard, keeping that swarming mentality going. Carl Klug is a guy that the coaching staff has fallen in love with because he's had to battle back from some injuries, and now you see him out here battling on the field, getting this quarterback on the ground, laying heavy on him. How about this? It ends up in the hands of a lineman. <laughs> Carl Klug makes the stop, but number 76 for FIU had the ball and he was running and that for Brad Serini the center was probably a first. Brad Serini started every game for FIU as a true freshman last year but I'm going to guess this might be his first career carry. Wayne Younger getting molested in the pocket by the Iowa defensive line. Brad Serini comes up with the football and takes off running. Great presence on his part. Very nice hit there from the Iowa linebacker. That defense continues to swarm no matter who's got the football in their hands. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. Be among the first to make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS to express your opinions and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. We welcome back Pat Hardy. You can read Pat's articles in the Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. Pat, your overall impressions of the FIU game? Well, I was impressed with how the offense seems to be more in sync this year compared to last year. They seem to be more explosive. Now, granted, I got to kind of put a little asterisk by this because they haven't played anyone yet. We still don't really 
know that much about them, but they just look better doing what they're doing compared to a year ago. Even last year against Syracuse and whatever, they still didn't look as crisp on offense as this team. And I've been impressed with the run blocking too. Against really inferior competition, they've really dominated the line of scrimmage. Does it look to you like there might be a little more intensity and cohesion on the part of this team compared to the same time last year? I think you can see that. I think when they execute, those things are more evident. And I think it's just a matter of executing. They haven't had near the penalties that they did last year. And I think it's almost like they're a year older and a year wiser because a lot of them are the same players that played last year. And we'll see Saturday, though. We'll see if the execution stays when it basically they've punched two opponents and neither opponent has punched back. So we'll see what happens when an opponent punches back. Everybody's talking about the quarterback competition. You wrote an article on it this week. Uh, Stanzi's named the starter, at least for the time being. Uh, clearly looked like he played better against FIU. Oh yeah, I think Stanzi looked more comfortable out there. He threw a more catchable ball. And the offense, you got to admit, the offense did great when he was out there. I think what Jake's got to do is Jake's just got to keep his dauber up and got to remind himself that Stanzi's maybe one bad half against Iowa State away from giving way to Jake again. I don't think this thing's over yet. I think Stanzi's obviously got the edge right now, but Kirk even said today at his press conference that it's still competition. Jake's still in it, and Jake just needs to stay positive because quarterbacks get hurt. Quarterbacks also struggle, and I don't think they'd hesitate to put Jake back in because right now you could say that Iowa's got the most experienced backup quarterback in the Big Ten. It was great to see receivers actually hit in full stride. There also seems to be a little cooler approach to the game when Stanzi's in there than when Jake's in there. That's been the big thing. I think Stanzi catches, throws a more catchable ball, and he doesn't make his receivers work as hard as Jake did. Lots of times when Jake was out there, it seems like he would throw the ball too hard on a short route or whatever, and it seems like the receivers would have to make such an effort just to catch the ball that they couldn't really concentrate on yards after the catch because it seems like they once they caught the ball, they were falling down because they were off balance. You've interviewed both kids. You did a nice piece on Jake and Rick earlier this week. Now that this decision's been made out, how do you think Christensen's actually taking it, regardless of what might be said publicly? Oh, I'm sure he's hurting. This is a, something new for Jake. Jake's always been the guy. He was a stud in high school. He was one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the country. His situation's a lot different than Rick's. Rick didn't have any Big Ten schools besides Iowa recruiting him. Jake, everybody wanted Jake, and Jake's not used to this. Jake hasn't had to deal with a lot of adversity, and I'm sure he's hurting. I'm sure his ego's been really hurt on this, but now it's just, I wouldn't be surprised if after the season Jake left. I mean, Jake may want to go and start somewhere at a 1AA school next year where we could play immediately. That wouldn't surprise me. I think we'll learn a little bit more about how much Jake's into Iowa football. I mean, if he's really, into it here and he likes it for more than just his own personal success we'll see that but if if he's not i think eventually we may see him leave how do you think the rest of the team will react now do you think there's any potential for a split i really don't think it will i mean you could have some people that are sympathetic towards jake lots of that goes with age and who's in each other's recruiting classes and what have you but Iowa's to the point they need to win football games and if the the players need to trust the coaches that they're going to put the best quarterback out there and I don't think it'll have that kind of effect and I don't think Jake will try to have that kind of effect either I I don't think he'll try to I don't think he'll try to be a cancer I think he's probably upset I just he's got no other option but to compete and try to get the job back some stories floating around actually for over a year now that Christensen's father's been trying to influence this decision pretty active that he's not very happy right now 
I'm sure his father's not happy. You never like to see your son get beat out for a job that he had for a whole year and what have you. I don't, I've never met Jeff Christensen. I think a lot of that, I think usually when I find out the truth, usually somewhere in the middle. I've heard he is a very hands-on father, but I've also heard that he's been very instrumental in his son's success. He was an NFL quarterback, although I don't think he ever actually played in a game, but he was on an NFL roster. But I've never met the man, so I really don't feel qualified and really commenting on his character. Like I said, I've never been around him. I've heard stories about him, but I'm sure his number one goal is to watch out for his son. It does appear that we're seeing a very different philosophy and approach from Ferentz and his staff in terms of playing new players. Uh, you know, traditionally Fry and, and Ferentz as well always seem to favor older players, very loyal to their starters, but especially considering what's now happened to quarterback, plus all the freshmen we're seeing the past two years, is this different? That's one thing I have observed here in the last couple of weeks, besides the quarterback position, Tyler Sash at safety, moved ahead of fifth-year senior Harold Dalton, who started 13 games in a row, and Sash Dalton barely played in the game last week. So you are seeing some of that. So I don't know if that just means that in these two cases, there was a change in personnel, or if the coaches are trying to maybe take some, I don't want to call them risk or whatever by going with younger players, but I, something has happened in the last couple of weeks because how else do you explain a quarterback losing his job in one in just one game? So yeah, maybe I think the coaches are being a little more proactive, but I also think there's a greater sense of urgency. They need to win this year, and they must think that the guys that they're putting in now obviously give them the best chance to win. Do you think this has more to do with wanting to win and an urgency, or do you think Ferentz has also been taking heat over his record the last couple of years, especially when coupled with his high salary? Uh, well, I'm sure. I just think he feels added pressure to win this year because they haven't won for three years in a row. And I think his salary, I mean, we remind him of that all the time. That just adds to it. That's just another element to the whole thing. And Basically, I just think there is pressure for them to win. They need to win this year, because if they don't win this year, I could see some shakeup on the coaching staff, and Kirk would never admit that, but there's a sense of urgency. I know that they know that Hawkeye Nation's a little restless right now. They know there's a lot of resources being poured into that program, and right now the performance hasn't matched the investment. Offense, very balanced last Saturday. Uh, your assessment? I'm impressed with Sean Green, how hard he runs against really bad competition. It's going to be interesting to see how hard he runs when Iowa State hits him. I'm, I'm curious to see how he holds on to the ball. He did have a fumble when he got hit the other day. So Sean Green, to me, this will be a big test for him because the competition's picking up. Iowa State's very fast, but so far I've been impressed. Jewel Hampton has been very good for a true freshman, and I think Pacquiao O'Mara, I mean, he's a walk-on or what have you, but he's also 210 pounds. He was a very good high school player, and I think to just label him as a walk-on is sort of unfair. I think there's a little more to it than that. He's a good pass catcher. I think running back right now is fine. The receivers right now, it's it's so hard to tell because against the competition they faced. I mean, one thing I've noticed is the quarterbacks are hitting the receivers in stride, but I just haven't seen enough of the receivers against good competition yet to really say, that, oh yeah, things are markedly better than they were a year ago. I do think Eric Campbell, the former coach from Michigan who's come in, I think he's kind of instilled a positive attitude and the players seem to be really gravitating towards him and what have you, so that helps, but I still need to see what happens Saturday. I mean, DJK looks like DJK did last year at times, so we'll see. Every Well, the offensive line, I will say, I've been impressed with them because they've totally destroyed two overmatched opponents. I mean, they've done what they've, they've done about everything they could do. So I think so far the offensive line has done well, but that still doesn't mean they're going to come out and do it against Iowa State. I think if the offensive line comes out and controls things against Iowa State, then I think you can say, wow, we may have something. You think it looks like O'Keefe might be opening his playbook up a little more, especially when Stanzi's in the game? Not really. I haven't noticed anything yet. I mean, they've run reverses before. They've done. So, no, I still think it's typical Iowa football, and I don't think there's any hidden plays that they're going to unveil against Iowa State. I think it just basically comes down to executing the plays they know how to do best. 
Let's analyze the defense for a minute. Uh, seems like Parker's more aggressive, blitzing more, substituting more. Yeah, he substituted more, and I've been very impressed with Adrian Claiborne. I think that King and Kroll are going to draw so much attention inside that Iowa's defensive ends really, um, Claiborne and Christian Ballard, have a chance to have big years because they're going to face a lot of one-on-one -on -one coverage on the edge, and Claiborne's shown the ability to get to the quarterback. I've been impressed with how aggressive the defense is, but I thought the front seven would be good. I'm still a little suspect on the secondary, and I think we'll find out a little bit more in these next couple of weeks. One of the only negatives last Saturday seemed to be the depth on kickoffs. It looks like Murray's a little inconsistent, struggling a little bit maybe with that. Yeah, he did have a couple that were kind of questionable, what have you, and I think it's just one of these things where you, with Daniel, you, it is what it is. You're going to have some kicks that go to the end zone, you're going to have some that don't. I think that's about, I mean, I think they're just going to have to make do with that, and I think Daniel and Mus, Musbrucker, I think it's good having both of them because I think they both know that if they let up at all, the other one's going to take their job. So right now, Musbrucker looks like he's got the edge for field goals. He's a true freshman, so that's going to be a lot to ask going into that Iowa State game. It'll be interesting if they need a 45-yard field goal to win the game, who they go to. I mean, I assume it's going to be Musbrucker, but you never know. Given that it's Iowa State week and coupled with the naming of a new starter to replace one who'd been in there for more than a year, uh, you participate in Ference's weekly press conferences. Anything this week strike you as different than generally? Nothing ever changes with Kirk. He doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. He answers the same questions pretty much with the same answers because with him it's one week at a time. I mean, I know Iowa fans want him to make this game about to be bigger than it is, but this is just one game and that's the way he's going to take it. But no, I didn't notice much difference. Let's diverge just a second and talk about those press conferences. I hear some people say that that the Iowa media doesn't press Ference as much as they might, certainly compared to some of the bigger markets across the country, that maybe they don't ask some of the tough questions or don't follow through like they might. Do you think that's a fair criticism? Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, ask Ference if we ask him tough questions. He's sick of us asking him questions about the sexual assault investigation, about how much money he earns, about why he can't beat Iowa State and what have you. So no, I just, I, I think that's sort of unfair. I think with a lot of the bigger papers, you've got 50 and 60 reporters asking questions too. But I, you know, I think for the most part, we ask the questions that need to be asked. Let's turn our focus to this coming Saturday, uh, Iowa State week. Ference's record, not very good. Lingering criticism, he doesn't focus enough on it. You buy that? I don't buy that. I just think Iowa State has been better on that day. I don't think he's going to not focus on an in-state game. I think, I think basically Iowa fans need to find a reason for why this game hasn't went their way, and that's the only reason they can come up with because they've always been convinced that they have better players. But Iowa State's had some good players over the years. How good are the clones? What do you expect to see Saturday? Keys to the game? I think if Iowa can run the ball and control the line of scrimmage, they're going to win the game, limit their turnovers. I think with Iowa State, you're going to see a team that's not a very good football team right now, but that's very athletic. That's one thing I've noticed about Iowa State. They've really upgraded their speed at most positions. They're going to have a two-headed quarterback to where if Iowa doesn't do a good job of containing, they could really hurt them. I mean, Phillip Bates is going to be really good on broken plays. I could see them like on third and nine, him scrambling for first downs. they got to limit that too. But I think Iowa needs to jump on them early, control the line of scrimmage, and I think they should win given that they're at home. Home field advantage is what it's come down to in this series now. That kind of shows you how equal the teams are on this given day to where if this game was being played names, I'd pick Iowa State. It's here. Hawkeyes Mike is for Iowa fans by Iowa fans. It's Hawks Sports Talk Radio on the internet. Your chance as a Hawkeye fan to make your voice heard on men's and women's sports. Weekly on HawkeyesMike.com.
Just a reminder that following every football game, questions will be posted on HawkeyesMike.com. You can respond to those or offer whatever comments you like. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To have your comments included in the next show, please call by Tuesday evening. Just call 866-74-HAWKS. The new podcast should be available for listening or downloading later on Wednesdays. Again, to participate, just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by the Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodge.com at ui.com and by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. The meat of the schedule starts now for the Hawks, kind of like two halves in the preseason. It's the big in-state rivalry week this Saturday's game in Kinnick Stadium against Iowa State, the 56th game in the series. The Hawks will be out to avenge last season's last second 15-13 loss to the Clones and also demonstrate that their performance in the first two games this year is an indicator of things to come later in the season. And getting several key players back from injury should also be a boost for the Hawks, both on the field and psychologically. Ference lost the first five games against the Cyclones, and overall, his record as head coach is only 3-6 in this series. Iowa fans have been somewhat disgruntled, to say the least. Rumor has it that more attention has been paid to this year's game since the beginning of fall practice. It will be Stanzi's first start against a major opponent. Through the first two weeks, his pass efficiency rating leads the Big Ten. Now we'll see how he performs in a pressure-packed game. Iowa State has been very opportunistic and is 2-0, averaging 46 points a game, has created 10 turnovers, and blocked some punts. They alternate quarterbacks, which has resulted in a very effective offensive attack through the first two weeks. It will be yet another sellout crowd and a raucous day in Iowa City, and most likely a close game, Vegas point spreads notwithstanding. One of these teams will emerge 3-0 and carry away the Cyhawk Trophy. Home field advantage ultimately may once again be the key to this game. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. 88 points in two weeks for the Iowa offense, which averaged only 18 a game last year. So what a difference. What a turnaround offensively in the first couple of weeks for the Iowa Hawkeyes as they go to 2-0 and they await Iowa State. Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for the game highlights. Nice job on the telecast. Our thanks again to regular contributors Marv Cook and Pat Hardy. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard. 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. We certainly encourage new callers. Phone into Hawkeyes Mike, make yourself heard, and then listen to yourself on the show. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. For Iowa fans, by Iowa fans. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeyes Mike, LLC.